Mokara, Mokarja. Welcome one and all. I am Luke from the Healing Forest podcast. This is a space where we explore how nature can impact your life when you allow yourself to deepen that friendship. Today's guest is the director of CLTV film, the lead singer of Good Grief, founder of Universal Space, a true artist, wordsmith, a man that embodies creativity to bring people together for their highest good. Welcome, Mark William Logan. Yeah, I want to set the container, open the container now just by like transporting us back to our time in the forest uh, earlier today with the calm breeze and the trees dancing, the view, the angelic bird sang, and then the breathing in of the clean forest air. Inviting in now expression of all emotions, welcoming in anything you want to come forth. So, Mark, what's in your heart right now? Fear and excitement. What is the fear related to right now? Making sure the fear is related to not communicating how I feel to be my authentic self, I suppose. Um, that potentially <clears throat> I don't give a good account of myself, perhaps. Sorry, the fear is coming from that. There's so much I want to say and um, there's so much to be said and then there's so little to be said at the same time. You know, I feel like words can also be very futile and reductive and uh, often can take the magic out of things. Um, our language is, this the medium we're expressing through is language and podcasts. So there's a lot of uh, pressure sometimes on the word to do the job of communicating what's inside and what's going on. So sometimes there'll be a little bit of Right now, what's what do you feel? Uh, if I'm trying to identify it, there's probably a little bit of fear that I don't uh, communicate as well as I believe I can. And the excitement comes from the fact that I believe I can. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to meet that. There wouldn't be excitement if there wasn't fear. So yeah, there's, there's a space, as you said, you just opened up a container. So there's a space here for us to explore. And I don't know what's coming. I have no idea what you're going to ask me. So I'm, um, I'm excited about that unknown. And on the other side of the fear lies... Um, goodness I think and uh, knowledge mm. and a new experience perhaps I might stumble upon something I never thought of before and never uncovered so I'd say that's why there's a pretty simple cocktail going on there yeah lovely um, yeah I got you on um, because you inspire me in, a, in many ways that uh, I haven't expressed to you before and just um, being around you, you know, energetically. Um, and I feel that you have great wisdom and life experience and um, connection to nature. So I'd love to know what nature is to you. Mm, thank you uh, for saying those things. Um, yeah, I think we're all here to inspire one another and... Um, yeah, build each other up and fill each up, fill up each other's cup. Um, nature to me is everything, man. It's fucking everything. It's absolutely everything. Um, like, it's like that question I've asked so many times, like, what is music to you, to a musician? It's like, yeah, nature is God. 
for me. Like it's it's the physical embodiment of God um, that surrounds us in our experience. Like for me, space is nature. Um, what is your own true nature? What lies inside me is nature. Everything that we've created has arisen from nature. We've arisen from nature. Nature birthed us. We are nature. Nature is us. So for me, yeah, it's it's everything. It's the universe. Um, it's absolutely everything. And finding nature in everything, I think, is really important to me because we live in such a sterile environment. Um, we're so removed from the essence of nature through the augmented reality that we've built on top of Mother Nature. And um, I've been practicing reminding myself that nature is everything. Nature is the calendula that's grown up from a slab of concrete underneath a step. Like, you know, nature is the sound of running water when you're walking along the daughter outside a shopping centre. Like, it's everywhere around us. Um, so, yeah, but it's also something metaphysical that um, you can't touch uh, that is inside us. That's what nature is to me. How do you have the awareness for that? Like, how, how are you tuning into that sound and smell? And like, how are those senses at the stage they are now? Mm. I suppose, yeah, you touched on it. We have those portals of experience, right? Like the senses are one. Mm. Um, how do I do it on like a daily basis? Like, what are my practices for tapping into nature? It's yeah, not, well, it sounds uh, like there's a... Uh, uh, continuous awareness of your surroundings and, and beyond that. Yeah, I think it's a blessing and a curse in this modern age because the more you open yourself up and the more you go down this path of inquiry is what I call it, like self-inquiry, spirit inquiry, looking inside for answers, not looking outside for answers, the less you find there's a congruence between what's going on internally and how your narrative is being presented to you externally, you know? That's something that I find difficult to reconcile on a daily basis. For me, Ramdas would be somebody that I look to for teaching. Like I would consider Ramdas one of my spiritual teachers, if you will. And I've been tuning into more recently this idea of karma yoga. So everything that arises in your experience is your work. That's it. There's nothing else. So in the past, when I came from spending intense periods in the nature, uh, the, the kind of postcard nature, the Amazon. Um, when I came back, I would be begrudgingly living in the city, you know, kind of going, oh, you know, oh, what's a fucking joke what we're doing to the planet? Like, this isn't how we should live. We're so unconscious. We're miserable. We're just producers and consumers. This is a fucking toxic cycle that I've subjected myself and we've subjected ourselves to live in. And I would kind of rail against that internally and it did nothing but create friction for me and um, despair. And more recently, in the last two years, I'd say there's been a dawning of, well, that's a perspective, yes, but you can choose to look for nature in your immediate. Um, and even if you can't find it directly, like we're in a room now where there's no organic thing other than us that, that I can see. The kombucha is probably quite alive in the plastic bottle that's in. <laughs> But other than that, we're the only organic thing in this space. Everything else we've created. And you could say that unless you're into animism and you believe everything has a spirit, which is a whole other theory and, and kind of school of life, um, you could say that we're the only living thing. But even in this space, you can tune into the air that's being pushed around by the fan 
and our feet on the carpet or on the floor and just into, you can close your eyes and imagine going back to the forest like you did there. There was like a kind of a moment of, ah, oh. like you even exhaled deeply when you were imagining the forest. So our imaginations are incredibly powerful and they are nature. Like we are, and everything that we've built is from nature. So, um, yeah, it's not easy to tune in. The dog is a great kind of anchor because she makes sure I spend at least half an hour to 45 minutes to two hours in a field every day, whether it's the local park or on a beach or out. And I think if I didn't have Bloom, I probably wouldn't give that to myself nearly every day because I'm chasing, um, like a lot of people, uh, what's around the corner and survival and ego and progress and career and money and success and impact is what I'm after and community and all these things. So it's a whole, there's a whole myriad of reasons why I've chosen to still live in a city. But I'm, to be honest with you, and it's kind of curious that this podcast is coming up at this time. I'm really debating how I'm living at the moment. And I was telling you this when we were walking around the forest, like, I don't know how much longer I can sustain living in a city, to be totally honest. I have my garden, I have my front and back garden. I don't know how much longer, even though you could say that I'm living um, a very good life in terms of I can express myself, I'm relatively free, I'm financially independent. I get to make movies and documentaries and music and whole space. All that's great, but I'm still coming from a place of living within the realms of like a capitalist production driven society. And sometimes like days like today when I've had a fucking hard day, it's hard to not see the hypocrisy in that in knowing nature is where it's at. So I suppose what I'm trying to say is I've been trying to find my spiritual practice in the fucking now, like What's my role right here, right now? And not to be so caught up in the utopian ideology of, oh, when I get the cabin in the woods and I have my little ones and my partner and the dream, the mirage, the illusion. Well, that's great. That's a lovely, you know, hill to aim for, a lovely ambition. And I hope and dream of that day. But right now, what can I do? What's what's present? I've got a microphone in front of me and I'm communicating to hopefully people who are tuning in for their own reasons. I need to try and uncover something true inside myself in my own nature and I want to have a good conversation with you so I just need to be present and um, yeah, I probably went all over both sides there. There's probably some hypocrisy in what I just shared but I'm trying to be really fucking honest. It, it, it is hard. I think everyone feels that but I'm trying to show up with a sense of whatever is arising in the moment, that's my only duty to serve that thing and, um, and as long as I do that, I'll be... I'll be kind of doing what I'm here to do, you know, um, living out my, my purpose. Yeah, I love that. Like it's, um, it's like your mantra or your, your, you're coming back to the now, you're coming back to being present, but you know that there is something on the horizon, which is like you're having faith in that and reassurance in that. But the goal is to be here now, you know, um, and there has to be faith in that things will work out, you know, uh, for your highest good. Um, I'd love to explore your lowest point in whatever detail you feel comfortable with, you know. Um, I'm sure one springs out to mind, but you can let that kind of land because I know I'm throwing these things out here and kind of it's, mm. they're quite direct, you know. Yeah. My lowest point, it's an interesting question, isn't it? It's not something we like to put the focus on, I don't think, in life. 
we like to celebrate the high points and even just your highest self, like saying saying that it's interesting to be asked around my lowest point, what I felt my lowest point was. I had adolescent moments of low where I knew I wasn't doing what I was destined to do or what I was getting joy from in terms of working in a kind of a commercial agency and in marketing and stuff. It just felt so um, depressing and restrictive and, yeah, oppressive to me. But I suppose in recent memory, if I was to be really honest with you, I think my lowest point was probably about a month and a half after my last relationship ended. I found myself in my apartment alone, wondering what the fuck happened, feeling isolated and um, a sense of disconnection from myself, my own identity and feeling a sense of betrayal by myself, of myself almost and a sense of loss, grief. Um, Yeah, I think that was, and it was winter as well. It was coming, just coming into winter. It was around this time Maybe a little bit earlier. I think that was probably, in recent memory, that was probably one of the lowest points in my life, I would say. And how long ago was that? Uh, That would have been October 2020. So two years ago. So then I'm just going to paint a picture Mm -hmm. of my experience and then it might be um, give an idea of why I asked that question. Um, so my experience of you was the first time I saw you was you were facilitating a sweat lodge in... Um, Kjavan. Kjavan. Was it Kjavan? I thought it was Navan. Maybe it was Kjavan. Okay, it was Kjavan, yeah. Down Germany. by Lake. Yeah. yeah. Amazing setting. Went in and like to the guy's house and you were there and so welcoming um yeah lots of different things i was in awe of you um and then the facilitation of you know just moving over through the fields over to the sweat lodge and i'm getting ready then for the sweat lodge and i have my you know uh swimming shorts on underneath the trousers you know like well prepared here in a towel and and uh, I'm like sitting down, putting the stuff on the table, folding my clothes, you know. And there I kind of hear this running, trotting behind me. And I look around and there is you, Mark, running across like the field, tattoos on the body, dong flapping in the wind, you know. And it's just like, wow, okay, this is fucking, this is happening where we're going in. I didn't take off my swimming shorts, but I was just like, fuck, I want to be like that. You know, that's literally what I was feeling. Um, and then we went into to ceremony and, you know, your guidance and that was a big shift for me and connecting with my ancestors. And there was definitely shifts there yeah and even talking about it now you know there was um there was letting go of grief big time there 
Yeah. It was connecting with them, with my dad who had passed away and grandfather. You know, it was really special. Mm. Mm. That's nature, right? Yeah. That's nature right now. Mm. It's like allowing yourself to feel all mm. of that. Yeah. So I didn't do that. Like I allowed myself to go there. But with your guidance, um, space holding, setting, um, words, energy, encouragement, safety, you know, that's what you gave to me. So, like, I'm looking at the picture of you, you know, being confused as a teenager and, you know, um, two years ago, finding it tough and then uh, getting to a stage of, like, recovering from that and pushing forward and being able to affect other people like you did with me, you know, and... Um, yeah, I guess I was trying to identify this earlier about the soul and I felt, I feel like, yeah, being around you, my soul feels more like it's able to express itself being around you, you know? So there's like a, an encouragement of, um, of my creativity just by being around you, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, I really appreciate that. So then there's... Jesus, man, hang on for a second. Let me just acknowledge that because there's like, yeah... There's a lot of stuff coming up in me when you mm. speak like that. A lot of resistance uh, internally. And I think it's like a fear of judgment, right? Because I don't want to, there's some insecure part of me that doesn't want to accept that nearly. But at the same time, there's this other part of me that's like, oh my God, this is so beautiful. And I'm so grateful that you feel that way. And I'm so grateful that you attribute some of the fact that you're able to do the work for yourself and have that feeling as a result of space that I'm, co-holding co or co-facilitating or weaving or that even just my essence brings that out that in you like where trees or plants growing together right and we're growing in light or using the same nutrients from the soil or whatever metaphor you want to use I'm so fucking grateful that that's your experience man because that lets me know that I'm actually I'm, I'm on the right path in many respects in what I'm doing and I'm not taking ownership over it but if it's happening through us while we're around each other and you're having that feeling that's fucking great man because that's what I want for people who are around me to feel. And I think anyone that says that they don't want people to feel that way is lying. If you Or, or, or they're just fucking troubled and they want people to suffer around them because they're from a place of suffering. I'm working to become from a place as much as I possibly can of whole, wholeness and goodness, you know? So I want well for those around me. Everyone from a working place to a fucking shopkeeper to anyone. I'm not Jesus Christ by any means. I'm not fucking perfect. I have a load of stuff going on, but I do try and show up to be a healthy person for others. And if you're having that feeling when you're around me, I'm delighted. Um, and um, I would just say that you're doing the work and all, all I'm doing is doing my work for me. As much as it's, it's benefiting others, the, the person that's benefiting the most from me doing work is me and it's the same for absolutely everyone. Mm -hmm. um, so, fair play to you because like, if this is your first podcast and you're willing to go right to the kind of edge of your own emotions and heart and ancestry and grief straight off the bat, like that's an amazing example to set for others but it's also really fucking healthy for you 
that you can come into Dundrum Shopping Centre and set up a couple of microphones and get that feeling from just, this is an excuse to have these feelings and have these conversations. So I just needed to share that because I don't want to, I'm not sitting over here being like, I'm not being affected by the things you're saying. Of course I am. Of course I'm loving it, but I'm trying to express that I, it's not from a place of ego that I'm um, appreciating what you're saying. It's from a place of like, fuck yeah, this is how we should be making each other feel when we come as clean containers for one another. And um, the sweat, the sacred sweat is a space for that to happen. And the fact that people are having those experiences uh, is encouraging for me to continue to invest my energy in that way so others can get benefit because I'm also getting benefit. And um, yeah, I needed to wrap myself out there as well because um, I think we're taught to not accept praise or not. Like if someone's saying something like, you helped me feel this way or you make me feel this way or I feel this way around you, which is probably the most accurate. No one makes you feel anything. Mm. You, you feel yourself a certain way, but you can feel a way around someone. And my late friend, Fiona Cribben, one of my dearest friends ever, she left in November 2019 and she left me a voice message and it was her anniversary there on Sunday and I was just listening back to it and she was like, you make me feel like the way like the real me, the best me, the me I want to be, like the me I want to be, I feel that way when I'm around you. And I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm not going to like shy away from the fact that that is a good thing to hear. And I think the reason there's probably resistance is because we don't hear it often enough, right? We just probably don't, we don't get told that because there's such a lack, I feel, a lack of fucking love and a lack of connection that when someone acknowledges someone else and says, you make me feel so good or you make me feel this way, especially as a man to another man on a podcast, there can be this perception of, oh, well, you know, ego and fucking, you know, mansplaining or you're like trying to show whatever. No, fuck that. It's actually true. And if it's felt and it's expressed, then that's nothing but good. And I just want to acknowledge that. Mm. Thank you. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I needed to round myself out though because there is resistance to hearing those things. Mm-hmm. And I think it comes from an insecure place of like, someone could, you know, perceive that as ego or whatever the fuck. But it's so important to not, I think to not see that is ignorant. I think to, you have to see it, rat it out and still push through and acknowledge it and support it and encourage it because it's the only way we're going to move through this current I think spirit drought or soul drought or connection drought that we're in at the moment is by actually like consciously choosing to fuck the fear and choose love anyway, you know? Mm. Well, the feeling that I get is obviously unique to me, but like the people that you are, you know, um, hanging around with and... Uh, spending time with and affecting the lives of like there there's a lot of famous people or well-known people and whatever that means to whoever's listening whatever you know whatever it means to be famous like but I would imagine that that would mean that there'll be a lot of people that would like to spend time with you so they have the pick and the choice of a lot of people I'm guessing but like there was uh, you know, on your Instagram, I've seen you with Bono and like Barry Keoghan and the Fontaine and like Maverick Sabre, Glenn Hansen. Like it goes on and on and there's loads of different, what I would perceive uh, as, you know, connection. Um, so I'm not um, unique in 
in the feeling, the effect, you know, that you have. And I'm not um, landing this on like some ego thing, but I, I guess what, uh, in a way, I'd like to know kind of what, has there been feedback on kind of what that is? Like, you know, is it your enthusiasm? Is it, you know, your compassion? Or what do you feel like is, you know, some of your strengths? And I, I'm fully aware of how unegoic you are. Um, so, yeah. So the question is, if I, if I may, uh, what do I think it is about me that attracts others to me? Yeah, or is there being feedback from those people that are like, Jesus, you're fucking, you're amazing at your job, or is it, or is it more? Or? You know what's interesting, which is why I acknowledged you for saying what you said just a second ago. Um, yeah, there is some sharing for sure of like, love what you're about, love what you're doing, or that's great, like keep that up. But I think as a, principle we don't tell each other very often what we really think of each other directly uh, I do I, I enjoy doing that um, like yeah like the people who are around me or in my life I would like to think and I have experience of like direct communication and knowing what binds us and I would say for the most part what binds us is a shared desire to do really fucking great work and when I say great work, I mean work that has an impact um, and work that is beyond the self and the ego, work that services um, the art of music or film or community or social justice or homelessness or whatever the issue may be that we're struggling to address as a society and then art finds um, a place for. Uh, interpersonally speaking, um, I feel personally, it's interesting to hear you acknowledge me in that way. I feel like I'm quite a divisive character, to be totally honest with you, uh, Luke. I feel um, very much like a trigger for a lot of people. I feel often like a mirror that I reflect often back to other people where they're at. And I think that's because I have made a really difficult decision a long time ago that I'm actually going to be myself. And I'm going to trust that, whatever that thing is, um, I think it's God, but in a non-dogmatic, controlling way. Uh, and I think that is inside everybody. I've just been fortunate enough to have been given enough love and support to trust that, to trust that source, to trust that voice. Now, that's not to say that, that like I said at the very start, like trigger, mirror, divisive character. Like I've definitely got people out there that probably wouldn't ever even endure sitting down and listening to this conversation, they probably don't think I'm a good guy. But as I said, I think I'm unashamedly myself and I'm I'm sincere as fuck. And I think people don't get that. A lot of people need the way in to be the whatever's here, you know, the, the pop culture of the hour, the meme of the hour, the small talk of the hour, whatever the fuck that is. That's great. I love a joke and I love the crack the same as anybody. But like, we're here for a finite amount of time I'd rather really have a fucking sincere conversation and like get things going very quickly off the bat and, and be direct because I want to live a life that is, um, in my opinion, worthy and worthy of, uh, of, of the fact that I've been given this opportunity. You know, I've been blessed by the universe. I've been blessed by my mother. I've been blessed by life, Pachamama, God, whatever the fuck you want to call it. So I'm not going to sit around wasting that on 
you know, shying away from the magnitude of the fact that we're fucking alive. And I'm aware that not everyone is able for that. It can be an intense energy to be around. But that's not to say I don't have gears and I can't chill out and relax and kick back and listen. I've enjoyed listening a lot as I've grown older, um, which is ironic as I'm on a fucking tangent. I'm talking about listening, but it's the truth. Um, But I do believe that whatever said people that you're mentioning um, are around because I think they feel that authenticity. I, I am not trying to be anyone else and I can say that with my hand on my heart. I'm legitimately just trying to figure out what the fuck my voice is and what my message is amongst all of the noise and how I can find something that maybe hasn't been found before um, because everyone's story is unique and how can I uh, transmute the pain and, and the stuff that I've gone through for for good? How can I find the medicine in my experience and how can I share that? And uh, and I'm a big fan of all those people that, that you mentioned. So it's 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 amazing to be around that energy and to learn from it. And you don't need to be told to learn. You just need to listen and you need to watch. Um, so I'd say it's the shared desire to do good in the world, perceive it good. A lot of people have fucking started wars over trying to do good in the world. Um, and then secondly, I'd say it's a sense of authenticity. And then thirdly, it's the craft that I've chosen. Like I'm like, I'm a tradesman like anyone. I, I make films, I make music, I make records now, I make moments happen. And... um that's a talent and a skill, I suppose, that people come for. And uh, I'm grateful to have found this medium. Um, it's definitely one of many. I look forward to finding others, but it's the one that I'm choosing to pursue right now. Mm. Yeah, the authenticity really landed with me there. Yeah, so you're, this may overlap, but you're, um, holding circles, you're facilitating groups, you are introducing people, um, you know, you're facilitating kind of uh, collaborations, let's say, you know, you're managing things, you're managing relationships, you're, uh, regardless of, uh, it helping you or helping others or uh, being in service or whatever, like, why, why are you doing this? Tough one, ultimately. Mm. Like, life can be a very dark place. Um, and the second is that I, I don't know what else to do. Like, I, I literally don't know what else to do. I'm trying to find a way to do what I do from a place of being in nature which I was telling you about actually living in harmony with the land and working remotely and maybe picking and choosing smaller projects or should I say fewer projects but bigger projects not smaller projects just less but more um, but yeah I honestly do, I, I, it's, in, it's so natural to me to do what I'm doing right now um, I have what you might call a bit of a an, an un yeah, an unquenchable thirst to to make things, uh, to create, essentially, just to create and to collaborate. I think I just love working with others um, and learning. And I love making things that haven't I've never made before or haven't been made before, um, like a record or a music video or a film or a documentary or 
a commercial or a community event. I love I love events and exhibitions and stuff like that as well. But I honestly, it, it just it really comes naturally. I have to say, like it just does, um, and it usually comes in response to something like a pandemic, or a heartache, or fucking ancestral trauma, or a desire to be free in this world, or a desire to tell stories and meet people, and really have deep connections with people and to amplify their message. So, yeah, I think I do it for that reason, selfishly, personally. And then what drives the work or what do I want the work to do, like the things that I pour myself into, is to create more compassion, ultimately. Like that's, I really feel like that's the tread of my work is like to, to help people open up to new concepts or ideas that they haven't previously inside of themselves, not, not even externally, just internally, to laugh at something they haven't laughed at, to cry at something they haven't cried at, to feel to ultimately feel on an emotional intelligence level and through that look in and um, but but fun definitely if you're not having fun then you know and, and I think fun is also a buzzword it's so temporary and so is happiness so is joy peace is what I'm going for long term is to have peace and today wasn't a peaceful day today was a chaotic day but in that trying to find peace is the the work I think and yeah, I don't know what else to do, man. I'm trying to create a place for myself in the world where I can be free, where I can feel fulfilled and where the work that I create is of service. If I can continue to do that without causing harm to anyone, then I'll be happy. Hmm. So where is that like peaceful place? Where is your safe space? In my garden. I feel very at peace in my garden. Um, in the water. Glen Malheur, man. The river in Glen Malheur where Bushkabaha, where Shirley's pulled up. Jesus, I could die a happy man in that river. The Amazon. Like, they're all nature-based places, man. None of, like, like, imagine me saying Vegas. Vegas, <laughs> baby. With an eight ball in my pocket and fucking, you know, in a limo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That's my happy place. Like, fuck that. Do you know what I mean? In the forest today, just in, in being in nature with friends around the fucking fire with food in my belly, music and love. My animals. What else? Like, what are we read? The rest is just distraction from that. Like, that really makes me feel happy, you know? I'm feeling physically fit and healthy. Sometimes in training, not even in a match, just playing football where I haven't thought about anything other than the ball and, and its orientation on the pitch and whether or not I can get involved and make a tackle or a pass or whatever. Just moments where you're not in the mind, where you're in the heart. In music, playing the harmonium at home or in a lyric that has just come out of me, spewed out. Sometimes in the car. I was driving the car the other day, you might have seen this, and I just ate half an orange and I was tripping fucking balls, man, just off the autumnal light of a Friday afternoon and eight segments of vitamin C, perfectly delivered. Like, it can. that's what I'm saying, it can literally be anywhere. But, yeah, inside myself, I think is harmony is like enough time with friends, just even this, like coming and doing this, this is like a, an act of self-love for myself is to carve out the time to come and just have a conversation that I feel will enable me to step into my truth and to be heard and to also listen and to learn. Um, all those places make me happy. And talking of uh, music or a spoken word, do you have anything on you? 
do I have any spoken word? Or, yeah. Um, Not to put you on the yeah, spot. Yeah, no, I do. Already. I have a poem that I wrote um, when I was in the depths of that fucking pain that mm-hmm. I was telling you about where when I went to the uh, I went to the Amazon twice in like a four month spell to just try and get to the fucking core of why I was in so much pain. And um, it's called Blue. And I'll try and remember it. Um, I cut deep. I see. I acted so selfishly. I believe for my soul to learn how to grieve. Bound in divine full bloom in time The healing I pursue I pray for you too See through the veil of my mistakes At the core We were true It's taken me time To find and unwind all the ways I declined To be the man Who now stands Not apart from the bad Seeds that were sown Before I was grown enough to say I don't know I get scared too wrapped in my own scar tissue but I can now separate the cause from effect and bear witness to the light that shines from your every step true love to blue love Sacred unafraid the shadow cast from the mast of a ship sailing high, unsure of its course. Yet even upon the rockiest sea she flows straight to the source, the medicine path where pain becomes a teacher. I dream of all the ways I can now reach her. Pachamama, the creator, the DJ at this cosmic rave. Entranced by beats of ancestral understanding, can you have it? Yeah, take my hand in. Hearts beat the way to abundant groves of self-knowledge. Her hands bear the fruit of freedom. Chop it up, they're hungry, feed them. Wow. (laughs) So I got to the grips of some of the fucking shit and the pain and the... Yeah, the ignorance and um, misstepping. But again, is there a misstep when you learn, you know? Mm. I don't know. What a gift to be able to um, not have that running around in your head, but to be able to verbalize and express. Oh, it still fucking runs around in my head, trust me. But, it but it's nice to be able to put it into it, something. Yeah, yeah it's transmuting yeah. it, like and sharing and yeah. sharing it. Yeah, it's it feels lovely to share it. And like there was a young woman called Key uh, who was in the jungle with me at that time, and she is from I believe she's from New York, the Bronx. Uh, her mother was a heroin addict, and she is a poet and has started a church, like a church of nature. She does like facilitates a lot of ceremonies and stuff in America. I think in Florida. And she was coming out with amazing poetry. And sometimes you can get a lick off someone where like she was saying a lot of her poems and ceremony and stuff. And it just inspired me. Similar, like, you know, we feed off one another. And I remember just being like, I was writing some stuff, but I I don't think I ever would have written that poem that way if it wasn't for her kind of, it felt like a New Orleans, New York-y kind of like, just confidence and I I feel like she gave me the confidence I needed to write in that way and um, yeah it just fell out with me I think again that thing uh, most of my best 
writing or anything that I would even consider sharing, let's just say best as in I would be open to sharing, has just come fully formed. I just get the fuck out of the way and write from the first person and try to not be afraid of being judged and just get that out of the space as much as possible and let it come through and then edit little bits to make it more universal and less victimised or weepy or caught up in my own trying to be an artist and or narcissistic fucking, you know, ramblings and make it more distilled. But almost all of my best ideas or work come fully formed, straight through and it's only then if you start to try and make it better, you're actually making it worse. You'll dilute it or you'll fuck it up. And it's knowing the difference between those ideas and the ones that you definitely shouldn't. And I think only by doing both can you actually learn which are the ones or through like age, getting older, a bit of discernment or knowing from what place am I being guided? Is it fear? Is it ego? Or is it like value? And knowing who else is at the table, like who you're about to get into bed with. Because it's literally when you start a project with someone or you work with someone, it's a very delicate thing. And um, trusting your intuition, like you know, like if I don't want to work with someone anymore, or I feel get a get a an ick or like a vibe, um, we overthink in society. I think we overthink in our world because everything has to be rationalised and thought. I don't need a fucking reason. If I don't want to work with someone, I just won't work with them because my gut is telling me not to work with them. I might have to make up a reason to be polite to save their feelings, or because that's because otherwise no one will ever work with you if you're if you're so blunt. Mm. But like. I feel like we need to just trust. And if someone doesn't want to work with me and they just go, I just don't get a good feeling. I, I would, li- I swear to God, Luke, I'd be like, totally. Don't even need, don't even need you to tell me. I get it. I would understand if someone's operating off that level. I'd actually have respect for it. Um, and I'd probably say to myself, well, if you're feeling that way, then we're probably not supposed to work together, right? Because well, what? No, you have to want to work with me. Fuck that. We were overtly analysing everything. We should just feel into decisions. And there probably is something at the root. But again, language is so reductive. Language is it literally spells to fucking distract us from what's really going on. And trusting that thing is the most important thing. So I think all my best ideas, and I even have some resistance around saying best, because if like I'm full of great ideas, but all of my most successful or worthy or um, valuable or impactful work has been something that's just come straight out without any provocation or... Uh, adulteration or any kind of tampering it's just kind of flowed out and it's just trusting it Mm. there's a piece I wanted to bring in which is like a kind of a homage or homage to uh, love homage love the homage (laughs) similar to Farmage Frey (laughs) uh, to Marie Logan Mm. and who was she Uh, I feel like there would be a good uh, healing. Uh, I think there was a link there. Um, yeah, there was a link there, which I I realized then uh, with the passing of of her, and then a relationship to my kind of father as well. So there's no grieving going on, simultaneous kind of grief. Um, and I'm aware, yeah, grief is totally different for everyone. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I would like to show some respect for Marie Logan, but I would like you to paint a picture and then maybe like refer to some qualities that she had that you bring forward, you know. Mm. Jeez, you're really going for it with the questions. I love the questions that you're asking, man. 
Um, yeah, so my grandmother, for me, we had the beauty of that parental relationship without all the pressure. Because when it's your father and your mother, it's so direct. It's like when you're working with someone directly, I feel like it's, uh, there can be pressure that comes, but when you're indirectly working with someone or you're about working on something together as a collaborator, um, you can really appreciate all the best parts of each other. And I was blessed enough to have my mother raise me, but my grandmother also raised me, but with a slight bit of space in between. So that get an and time age, I got to see my grandmother at a different phase to what I ever have seen my mom at so far. And yeah, my grandmother was, for me, the epitome of a strong, kind, courageous, hardworking woman, you know? And she's best, in my opinion, described by comparing her to a magpie. And the reason I'll say it is because when she died, uh, the magpies just kept coming around the gaff. This one particular magpie, and it got to a point where it was just like, right, what the fuck are the traits of a magpie? Because like, it's just, you're just being, like it was, I'd wake up, I'd be having my morning piss and I'd look out the window and the magpie be on the windowsill or I'd like wake up at first light and open the blinds, magpie be on the windowsill or I'd come home after being, you know, be like two o'clock in the morning, the magpie would be like in the garden foraging for like fucking, you know, worms or snails or whatever. So I looked up the traits of a magpie about a week after Nana passed and they're shrewd. So when you hear of like shrewd, it can have negative connotations, but it just means that they're very, they cut their cloth accordingly. Now my Nana was widowed with four kids at 28, so she had to do that. But she also then was the first person on her road to have a car, to have a colour television for her youngest born, first, her only son to have a bike. So like, by many respects, you could, you could see that, like, you could say that Nana was the least well off, yet she was the most successful person on the road and provided most for her family alone as a single mother. Going back, I mean, we're, we're talking like early 60s, you know, suburban Dublin, north suburban Dublin. Um, witty, incredibly witty, like right up to the end, fully compass mentis would cut you in two, could buy and sell you um, and like always had a joy to be alive. Like never, ever, very rarely, only one occasion did I ever see my nana really break uh, into sadness and that was because she had just come from visiting her baby boy, George, who had just been, a, um, you know, admitted to a home with Alzheimer's at the age of like 59 and was non-verbal and this is his mother's 86 at the time allowing herself to really feel that and she heard that, that the grief of that made her so young but only in that moment did I ever see her really break um, so she had that wit that oh, that lust to be alive and the charm and the charisma and, and she could really keep a secret you know she could you could really tell her anything and she'd, she'd know she just knew when to hold on to stuff and um, yeah and then what was the other trait so I think was it resourceful so that's like they're witty um, and they're clever yeah, I think smarts was the other one. Mag this incredibly clever intelligence. She had a type of intelligence that was emotional, but she also had a type of intelligence that was resourceful. And she also had a type of intelligence of like, she could get the mark of someone very quickly. And um, I always remember there's two very distinct memories of Nana. One is after just having a fight with my mom. I think I was 12 
and I cursed at my mom and I think like we might have even been like kind of grabbing or like you know pushing each other like it was it was a heated argument at 12 and I think I said you know fuck you ma or something and my grandmother would have been so yeah she would have been 60 like maybe 64 65 maybe even a little bit older um, no she would have been sorry she would have been 70 grabbed me by the scruff of the neck pinned me against the wall upstairs in my house and lifted me up off my feet. And that was it. I was just like, I'd never had an argument with Nana before. She said, don't you ever talk to my child like that again. And I was put in my place instantly. I was like, right, she's, you know, she let me know. And the other time, I think I recall Nana is, um, it was on her 86th birthday and I had kind of set up the phone secretly and I just pressed like record on um, a voice memo or she just come into the room from from being in the kitchen and I had it rolling. And I remember just ta- talking to her, just asking her about her life. And we just kicked back and there was just a moment of very simple pleasure and joy where we were just laughing together. The telly was on mute and we were just laughing in the living room and just loving each other's presence. And I think she just said, you know, I love you, son, don't you? And I said, yeah, you know, I love you too. And she was reflecting on being a six-year-old and being saved by a man called Willie Goodman who pulled her out with a daughter when she was six after falling in as a child and we were just reflecting on Dublin in the rare rail times and just the simplicity of just sitting there having a conversation with my grandmother and having a laugh that's like the simplicity of it was just so nourishing to me but there's hundreds of thousands of memories with her you know there's moments when I would have climbed into bed beside Nana at the age of 27, 28 after being on a night out staying in Nana's after and and she would have moved over and we would have kipped in the bed together and I would wake up and she'd have the breakfast ready. Like we had a very loving relationship, very close bond, very affectionate. And I think Nana was affectionate in ways with me physically and emotionally that she wasn't with any of her children because I was that one step removed as well. And I'm the future, I'm the next generation. So there was a comfortability there because Nana was old Ireland and old Dublin as well, but also very progressive and very open-minded right up till the end. So... So yeah, thanks for allowing me a chance to talk about my grandmother because I could literally do that for days, you know, weeks. Yeah, thanks for, thanks to Marie Logan, yeah. Um, I got so many snippets there, you know, and like visuals and uh, yeah, even a sound of laughter and like, yeah, even the way you're telling it transported me back, you know, so thank you so much for Mm. being able to conjure that up and share a bit of your life um, and her life with us. Um, yeah. Any romance going on these days? No. I mean, other than the romance I have with life. Oh, apart from I've that. I've got a beautiful I? romance with life. Um, I have no current dissodes. Again, right, you're asking me to talk on it. I have been through various different phases of love in my life and uh, yeah, fuck it, I'll talk about it. Um, I've opened myself up to various different formats of how we can be in um, love and relationships. I've been in um, monogamous relationships. I've tried to be in polyamorous relationships to varying degrees of success. Um, And recently... I felt after a diet, I'd done a diet in Peru in March. I brought a group of Irish brothers to the jungle 
um, on Paddy's Day we were drinking the Jungle Guinness it was great crack and we did a long diet you know we did like a three week diet in the Amazon and one of the main themes to come out of it there was three main themes one was alcohol like just use of alcohol and my paternal lineage of alcoholic demons essentially addiction and how that addiction energy was you know still present in me and something that I need to be aware of and how maybe even the odd couple of points leading to a heavy night on the points was actually affecting me long term especially if it was like even just once every two weeks it was fucking me up for like three or four days the other one was technology just how how many hours a day I'm spending on my phone a lot of it's by necessity because of work but then a lot of it isn't a lot of it's fucking narcissism and you know looking and seeing what's going on and looking to focus disempowering myself by looking out as opposed to spending time looking in but then the other one was my fucking sexual energy my intimate energy my loving energy my source energy and I've in the past been someone to fall very quickly in love and the intensity of it all and the romance of it all and the falling of it all and at the end of the summer I just said to myself and you need to let the cup fill up again and relax and spend some time by yourself. So for the last four and a half, five months, I've been very consciously spending a lot of time by myself and not seeking, not actively trying to pursue anyone or anything. And that also means if someone is reaching out to me to spend time, that if I really don't feel it, I don't see like a long-term potential in it, then politely kind of declining the invitation to spend time with someone. So, yeah, so to answer your question, there's a load of romance in my life, but it's with life and it's with my friends and it's with my work and it's with my uh, relationship to myself. I'm trying to get more romantic with myself, like lighting the candles when I go home and cooking myself a lovely meal and going up on lovely hikes with the dog and getting into the water and meditating and writing and finding things that I love about myself. And um, there's a real lovely sense of like freshness that's come back to like, I'm excited. Who is this person going to be? Because the space created in the life, like, fuck, whoever they are, it's going to be amazing, you know, but I'm not actively seeking it. Um, for the first time, I think, in my life, I'm really sitting into spending time with me and getting to figure out who I am and what's in my heart. Um, but I'm excited for the future, but I'm certainly not seeking anything at the minute. Hmm. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Um, yeah, because it's intimate, isn't it? You know, I and mean, yeah, that's such a huge part being romantic with ourselves. Um, I could talk to you all day um, and I'm aware that we didn't get to cover the Amazon, so it just means we'll have to do another one. <laughs> so, Happily, yeah. yeah, because I'm aware that the Amazon was a big part of your journey and um, life changing, you know, um, foundational in a lot of ways. So, it's um, a continuum, yeah. I've like, I mean, I'll be going back until I die. Like, do you okay. know, I'm never going to not be back and forth from Peru ever. Mm -hmm. It's just such a constant. Mm -hmm. So, people go to Lourdes, I go to the jungle. Yeah. Do you know, and I enjoy it and I love it and my family are there. I've got, I consider, um, I consider Gabe and Doris and Raina family and my mom is, is around it as well and, and we're, we're doing work here and there and um, yeah, I, I will never not be 
uh, going to visit Peru and Amazon, I don't think. So it's been twice a year, roughly, for the last three years. Um, I'm looking to do a long stretch out there in the in the coming time, like maybe a year in the jungle or six months in the jungle. But uh, I'm interested in what's going on here now as well, you know, like I'd love to do a diet on your land and, mm. you know, get some palos, some trees, do, do an oak diet in nature in, in Dublin. It's right there, like it's 20 minutes from here. Like you don't need to go all the way to the Amazon. But for me, I was living in LA at the time just finished Burning Man, had done a load of crazy experiences and was like ready to leave California and Peru was always on, you know, on the agenda for me and uh, it was my way in to nature really. It really unlocked it for me. Um, with a lot of other things, like I was always into mysticism and spirituality and finding a deeper connection with what is going on right now. But Peru definitely unlocked it for sure, like deeper. Mm. Yeah. Um, so what's next? For Mark, or what do you like? What will how will people keep an eye on you as well? Like, so we're um, if they're listening to you on the podcast, like, mm. and they're feeling called to reach out, or they want to just keep an eye on what you're up to. Um, where do they find you? And also, what is next? What's in the pipeline? Yeah. So, a couple of things coming up there. I'm not sure I want people to keep an eye on me. No. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Funny joke. Going undercover is well, good, isn't it? Well, I, uh, that's a lie though because I think I definitely do want to reach more people, right? Mm. So that's um, that's a lie. Just the But the idea, I think it's my relationship to, to people looking or feeling or having an opinion on what I'm doing. That's something that needs looking at all the time. I think all of us need to look at what are we looking for um, from that like is it just constant growth is it just when we get to a certain number on a certain platform we'll be happy and feel like I'm valuable and I'm where I'm, I'm cool or I'm worthy or whatever the fuck so um, how can people keep but yeah Instagram is a tool that I use daily I do I use it to communicate with people I use it to share work um, and I use it to talk about a lot of the stuff that we're talking about right now so yeah, just Mark William Logan on Instagram, Mark with a K. Um, but Collective Films um, is my um, filmic outlet. It's a your baby. It's 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 a it's a yeah baby that I collaborated like most babies. You, you know, you can't make a baby on your own. I, I made it with Kenneth Adams and now Greg Purcell and Agatha and Keen and Bettine. There's a team of six. We were twelve. And we've gotten smaller because all the things I was telling you about, like more isn't always more, less is more often. And they're all beautiful human beings who I have the pleasure of working with every day. Um, and they're all artists in their own right. Um, so that's for the filmic outlet. And then Good Grief, musically, G-U-U-D, G-R-I-E-F. And again, Good Grief is very much the, I feel, tread of this conversation is like the good in the grief, the what comes from the hard parts of life is often what we should celebrate and um, and make joy from and and, and connect over. So yeah, that's I, music, felt, I yeah. felt the Amazon vibes coming through the music, even mm-hmm. though I couldn't like identify. Maybe it was the drum rolling on yeah. the drum. Well, it came from the river in the Amazon. That song did, um, and then the Icaro kind of vibe, the whistle. So yeah, there's good grief for music, and then Universal Space for community stuff. And um, we have a sweat lodge coming up on the tenth of December. 
hopefully doesn't flood now. Um, I believe it's going to get a bit drier in Kiavan. Mm-hmm. And that'll be the final sweat of the year and maybe my final sweat for a while. I want to go and sit in other people's sweats. Um, I think it'll be the last one I'll co-host or facilitate, co-facilitate with Garod, Tevin and Drummondy um, for a while. I just want to go and sit in other people's sweats and learn and re-up myself. Because um, as you know, it takes a lot to hold space for others. And um, I think a lot of people are in this realm of healing or community for the fame and for the prestige of it. And not necessarily for their own growth and their own um, communities. Whereas for me, not that I'm saying I'm right and other people are wrong. I really am trying to just fucking learn and be a better human being. And I want people to get benefit. And I'm at a point where I've put a lot out. And I want to invest in the self so I can be better to serve. And I can be better to live and to grow and to experience life through this vessel in a better way. So I'm going to invest in the self. And I have been doing various courses in plant medicine the plant medicine school are amazing, common knowledge, learning how to build tiny homes and just doing little courses like circus, handstands, stuff like that. Just little things that I haven't done before. Um, so yeah, there are, I do realise I'm a bit of a conundrum in that there's a lot of shit going on there with films, music, community. Um, but like I said, I honestly, I just, I don't know what else to do, man. These are just things that I feel like I need to, to sample and try before. I'm not in this body and this character that I'm playing in this experience anymore, you know. Yeah, thank you very much for that. Um, and just closing out the container, um, and I'm feeling filled with gratitude, yeah. For can you. I ask you some questions when you finish? With that? <laughs> can I ask you a question or two? Yeah, okay. So my thing for closing out the container yeah. was that, um, what are you leaving here with today? What am I leaving here with today? Well, if there was fear and excitement at the start, if, like I think it's interesting to track that. So I had those fear and excitement, gratitude. And I know it's so fucking simple and it's almost too easy to be true, but a genuine gratitude for this conversation, for you and what you're doing, like with this podcast, I think I love the format. Uh, I love the way you're holding space. I'm excited to see where you go with it and how you grow through it and the other people that you talk to. Um, and then gratitude for you actually really listening to me, man. You had like some really deep questions there, like even bringing my grandmother in. And I, like, it's very rare that you can have somebody ask you questions that really cares to know the answer and is asking them from a place of service as well to try and uh, extract or distill what you believe is of value that I've experienced or that I have to offer for your audience. I think that's a remarkable um, thing to be doing it's not just entertainment I think it's self-development and um, more of it like so fair play to you for that uh, I think it's brilliant and thank you for uh, sharing how you feel around you know work that I've been involved in that you've you've benefited from and helping us reach people you've got a great community there and I'm excited for them to listen to this conversation yeah yeah thank you so much Mark William Logan Um. Yeah, I was aware of um, the podcast not being for me. So I was aware of trying to share uh, you with the public, um, maybe in a, in a way that a tiny little glimpse of what I received from you, um, allowing you to talk as much as possible and not me not interrupt at times, you know, so it was like allowing you to 
share your parts and then have an impact on others the way that I have received. So thank you so much. That was my question. I think, is that your answer? What are you trying to achieve with the podcast? Because you did it excellently well, like you really created the space. But I suppose, what's your intention with uh, the Healing Forest podcast? Dan, that's my only question. Yeah. No, I I saw some of your, some of your stuff. Like there's a lot of... Uh, stuff online um, that you have you're you're really out there you know and like um, out there yeah you're really I out am, there I'm like out there. weird it's just definitely, <laughs> definitely not as out there as I am but there's some out there out there no stuff, but. yeah I mean you're, you're in the forum or whatever you call it media forum whatever I mean that's an industry you're in also but um, I saw bits uh, of you and I know how yeah, amazing you are at um, directing conversation and questioning and uh, delving deeper. So um, I am aware that, yeah, you could ask me many questions uh, of depth. So um, what am I hoping to achieve with... Not even achieve. What's your intention? Because achieve has an end destination. Yeah. Just what's your intention? I was thinking about this and it's hard to uh, verbalize. Um, a podcast has been something I've wanted to do for a long time. So my intention was to fulfill a dream of mine, um, which has been there for years. Yeah, for years, I'd say. First saw Rich Roll kind of vlogcast thing, maybe 10 years ago. Um, so... Anything after that is like, is, is a bonus. So I'm fulfilling my dream by sitting here talking to you. And I think that's the way it works for me. So to connect with my dad and your grandmother in that moment. And like that's depth for me and that's real. And yeah, yeah, they're experiences that I keep, you know. I do have one more question now. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just come up. Mm. Um, your dad's come through a few times now in the podcast. Mm. Um, and I'm sensing, this could be wrong, that you're, you feel your father might be proud of you for doing this. Maybe I'm wrong, but like in this moment with the podcast, I'm sensing that there's a stepping into something for you here. Like your journey, especially the last five, ten years, I think, particularly the last five from the men's gathering that I had, I, I could perceive there's been a lot of growth in the last five years and you're really stepping into your power. Mm-hmm. Um, so the father, your father coming through, I get the sense that he is proud of you, but I get the sense that you know that this is something he might be proud of um, you doing. And um, What does your father mean to you, Luke? I'm curious to know. I'm curious to know what your father means to you, brother, because he's come through. You've mentioned him a few times and I know that you're tapping into him but I'm curious to know, if, I think other people will be curious to know what he means to you, which is why I'm asking you the question. Yeah, it wasn't a straightforward relationship really, you know. Um, he wasn't a man of many words really, but um, yeah, uh, there was presence there. Um, yeah, knowing that he loved me, you know, but not uh, a discussion around that or a verbal um so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's emotional for me, but like it seems to be a, a layering process that I keep on 
keeps on being emotional, but different emotions, you know. Um, so it was a year and like eight months ago that he died. So, um, yeah, I know he's proud of me. Yeah, um, yeah, and I'm delighted. I'm I'm most blessed that he could see me doing the stuff with the forest. You know, myself, and my wife. You know, so. Yeah, that was a big deal for me. Mm. Yeah, it's ever-changing. It's like, yeah, the presence is there, his essence is around. Um, it's a deepening and it's allowing myself to deepen. Um, so it's a motivation, it's a clarity, just, um, his death is, you know, so, um, gives me great, great, like reference to go back to that point and go back to, um, my own mortality. Uh, yeah, making the most of things, you know. How would you describe your father? He got stuff done. Like he was a doer. He summoned the inner city Dublin, Denor Avenue. Um, yeah, he bought the forest and everyone thought he was mad. In the middle of nowhere, you know, he built a tennis court before he built a house. Um, yeah. <laughs> so he just got stuff done, you know? like That says a lot about him that he built a tennis court before yeah. a house. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> just cutting trees down and like laying tarmac. And people are like, what are you doing? Like, you don't know where to live. I said, oh, yeah, I know what I'm doing. So, um, yeah, real. He was in AA for like 60 years. Um, so he harnessed that energy and put it into something else, you know, into providing, you know. So, yeah, I'd be forever grateful to him. I'm grateful to him. Mm. Never met the man, but what you guys have there and what your, the lineage that you're continuing on is just phenomenal, you know. With the healing forest, it's absolutely incredible. So great. Just so great the work that you guys are doing. And yeah, you seem well met with your wife and your kids and your mom and everything. It's beautiful. And yeah, just yeah, I'm delighted that it's happening and I'm delighted to be invited to, to talk to you about it and um, to be a part of it. I would consider myself a part of your family, your extended family and your community. And I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. And you said something about your father. You said, it's ever-changing. I think that's really honest. I think people think when someone dies, the relationship ends. It's just another chapter. It's yeah. ever-evolving, the relationship. Mm. I think it's great that you are aware of that and, and, and said that. Yeah, and thanks very much for sending it back my way. You know, it was a lot of healing and just that. So, um, yeah, and I, I loved the way that you were holding yourself accountable, um, calling yourself out on certain things, you know? It was like, the word is so powerful and you're the, like the epitome of that with spoken word and a singer and expressive poetry and um, yeah, the fact that you're able to verbalize the things that aren't right or that you're noticing in yourself. I mean, it's more potent then, you know, instead of the cycling of it in the mind. So I love it. I love that. I'm really taking that away with me now. So thank you. Yeah, man. Thank you. We are so grateful 
to you for listening and being here with us. You can find more videos on YouTube. We have five episodes. If you like what you've heard and seen today, you can check us out in more depth. Our Instagram is The Healing Forest. The website is thehealingforest.ie. Loads of offerings, loads of good stuff. We would love if you made contact with us and gave us some feedback. See you in the forest.